Hey there, you're listening to Don't Be an Asshole, a spiritual guide. It's a podcast where we talk about life, music, and spirituality. As we get into this, I just want you to know that it's not about getting you to believe what I believe. It's about asking you to ask yourself why you believe what you believe. Well, hey there, everybody. Welcome to part number three of my conversation with Eric Radomski, the host of SOP Podcast, Son of a Pastor Podcast. This is Don't Be an Asshole, a Spiritual Guide, or Don't Be an A-Hole, a Spiritual Guide, if you're finding it on iTunes. Remember, you can support this podcast by going to patron.podbean.com forward slash Eric Tomier. As always, there will be a link in the description supporting this podcast allows me to be able to spend a little more time making this podcast just as good as I possibly can. Thanks, everybody, for listening, for being a part of this community. If you have any questions, please email me at dbaaeric at gmail.com. Find me on Facebook. Find me on Twitter. Find me on Instagram. That's really the only places I am. I don't understand the rest of the social world and technology. Um... So anyway, uh, looking forward to finishing up this conversation with Eric and let me know what you think. Give me some uh, feedback. I know a lot of you are going to really disagree with a lot that I have to say. Some of you are going to agree with what I have to say. But the point of the whole exercise is for you to think about what you believe. Why do you believe what you believe? Well, let's get into this thing. All right. We could probably talk for like 10 hours. Oh, we could yeah. probably we could probably do a podcast just you and me sitting here talking about this stuff that would last a year. Seriously. And again, there's so much to talk about it. And it's, and again, for me, it goes back to, again, I'm questioning it. So I don't have an answer for people. Yeah, and it's not complaining about it. Yeah. It, it's, not, it's not saying, oh, every, they're all wrong. No, exactly. The entire Christian theology might be right. Exactly. But I, I, I might be wrong. I might be right. Someone else might be wrong. The thing is, people talk about faith as something you can like really prove, and but I mean, you can't. You you can't know. If you could know, know, people are like, "Well, you can't know because that's why you call it faith." And I'm like, (laughs) "Exactly." And I'm like, "Exactly." (laughs) That's exactly. That's I I can't know. And I'm not trying to know everything. I used to find comfort in the fact that God was so much bigger than my knowledge. And now I still find comfort in that, but that doesn't stop me from going, what part of what I'm leaning into is real and true? What is hurtful to other people? What do I believe that actually gets me closer to God? And what do I believe that's actually separating me from the people God created? That's a big one. Yeah. And so I'm, so like the same thing with the whole is homosexuality a sin? I mean, I think if you just say right off the bat yes, then you're then you're separating yourself from a large group of of people that God created and God loves. And again, going back to what I said earlier was this word homosexuality is a sin. You got to break it down more. Yeah. You got to dig into that. Yeah. Because you can't just bluntly call something a sin. Cuz like when we we got off track a little bit, but I was thinking, you know, if you are sexually attracted to Marissa Torme, you're not sinning with her, you know, because you're not sleeping with her. You're not cheating. You're not cheating on your wife with her. Exactly. And so 
if you're in a committed relationship with her, then and then that's not sin. So if two women or two men are in a committed relationship with each other, is it sin? And that's and that's a big one. That's yeah. the big one that a lot of people don't want to. So all these, I I, I looked at the Facebook because a lot of people posted on there. A lot of people don't want to talk about that. Yeah. Because again, same sex marriage in 2015. You know, Supreme Court. It's legal everywhere. So our the Christian fight that we had mm-hmm. for how many years? I even voted in prop whatever eight was eight prop yeah. eight or something. I was an advocate for it. I mean, I had a bumper, not a bumper sticker, but at work. Yeah. But even I remember at work because I put up a sticker that says yes to prop eight. Those people who were who were gay, mm-hmm. they already knew who I was just by yeah. that stick. Me putting up a sticker, yeah. I put up a sign that says, "Hey, don't come to me. Yeah. I don't like you. Right. I don't know you, but I don't like you. Yeah." You you and um, you separate yourself from a lot of people. You're yeah, right. yeah. I used to travel and speak at churches, and when Prop Eight was going on, the people in the lobby of the church talk about how accepting they were and how loving they were as a church. But you know, Prop Eight all over the church, and, and I was like, the dude. I mean, even back then, before I mean, this is before I started like really questioning everything. I was like, you're basically people. Are like, well, yeah, you, you love this. Yeah, you, you, you love the sinner and you hate the sin. The thing is. If you tell somebody you hate what they, when someone's sexuality is their entire identity. Exactly. Because it's such an intimate part of who you are. And so if you say, I hate that, you might as well say, I hate you and everything about you. Exactly. People don't think that way. People do not dig that deep of what it is. You said it exactly right there. Yeah. This is something they grew up with. Yeah. Look, I grew up with being attracted to women, to girls. Mm-hmm. As a little, even a little boy, I remember I had these weird attractions. Yeah. That I didn't know what to do. If you have the same sex attractions and you're growing up with that, that is your identity. Yeah, that is your life. Yeah, people are like the thing is, people. I've never met someone whose default statement is hate the sin, love the sinner, who actually does. <laughs> It's like people who start a exactly. sentence with, hey, I ain't proud of this. You are a little bit. <laughs> yeah. 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 Once you start saying something, yeah. then yeah, there's a little. I ain't racist, deeper. but you're getting ready to say some racist shit yeah. right now. Yeah, here we go. You already said it. <laughs> oh, man. Hey, dude, we've talked for an hour already. See, it's that easy. It, it is that easy. So here we are with two and a half episodes already. <laughs> Well, if you break it down, you take away certain things. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to edit. I mean, there there was like a, a minute and a half where I thought the kitchen might be on fire. So, <laughs> <laughs> man, yeah. So, man, I'm really like right up here was uh, my notes for our uh, podcast, and then all this was like my own like struggles. Uh, <laughs> you know, so. That's how it should be. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Because I'm like evil. Evil is real. So we have a paradox. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Um, did we start perfect and we were broken by sin or did we evolve into what is broken? What is whole? You know, I'm like, Oh my God, I don't know. Sorry to go back to the same sex marriage because I had about a year and a half ago now. No, two years ago, Karina, my wife's Mm -hmm. best friend, she's gay Mm -hmm. and she was in a committed relationship and they decided to get married. Karina came to me and says, Eric, you know, we're invited to go to their wedding. Mm Mm-hmm. Right away. I didn't think about it. I said, no, I can't. Right. That was it. That, it didn't break her heart, but she's like, but maybe we need to go because, you know, again, she wasn't raised, she was raised Catholic, so it's mm-hmm. a little different, but I mean, having a best friend not go to their wedding or have me not go, 
it was a big, big issue. And I guess she didn't make a big issue with me, so it wasn't a lot of pressure. But I started digging. That's when I started digging deeper, mm -hmm. saying, okay, should I go? I started even praying. I said, God, should I go? And then eventually I, I did a lot of research. I listened to, I remember some podcasts too. And I said, I'm going to go. Okay. And that, I think from that point, everything changed because if somebody wants to commit their lives to each other. Mm -hmm. And one, one of the things, again, this is a, it's a bad argument. I've used it before. It's not a, you know, the smart argument, the theological argument. I'm not some smart guy that went to a bunch of colleges. But for me, it goes back to when you go to a regular wedding, do you go there to support them having sex or you're supporting them to, to be together? To right. support together, to love each other until death do us part. Or are you there to support them having sex and how they have sex? I try to avoid going to all weddings. <laughs> I, I mean, it's, it's, uh, I, I loathe, <laughs> like as a pastor, when people are like, okay, and we're, now we're going to do the unity candle. I'm like, oh yeah, that's original. Nobody's ever done that before. <laughs> Dumbass. And uh, they're like, and then we're going to have this video playing uh, of like, both of us, when we were growing up, to set to butterfly kisses. I'm like, if you do that, we're not doing the wedding. <laughs> you know? I, and so I, I actually, uh, I, I'd gone to a few ceremonies, but always skipped the receptions. Because I'm like, I am not sticking around for this, you know? It, it, it's different. Every wedding's different. And one of the things that we started to question when we were getting married, my biggest question was, should we do it legally? Mm -hmm. Should I go and sign papers in court? Mm -hmm. And I started, you know, I didn't read anything in the Bible to do so. So we decided not to. Okay. Not to do anything legally. And again, that's a most people still don't know. So <laughs> from if you're listening and you find out I'm sorry if you disagree with me. But I, I just again signing that piece of paper for me is I don't see how that's necessary for me to commit to my wife. Right. For me, it's against between me and God, mm -hmm. us and God, sorry. That's it. Mm -hmm. And then we have witnesses. That's all I need. Yeah. You saw us get married, you saw us commit. That's all you need. Yeah. Awesome. That was another big one I went through. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we did everything. I mean, I was 23 when I got married. You know? Dang. Yeah. Rebecca I was still a virgin. Rebecca was 20. <laughs> and I mean, I was a virgin right up and, you know, you know, and that night I scared her a little bit. I'm like, let's do this, you know? <laughs> well, yeah. You, as a guy, you have a whole different perspective. I know. I was, um, I was, I was so ready. And the thing is, because of the pressure, I think a lot of young Christian people get married super young because they want to have sex so bad. I heard that so, I and, so many stories. And I've seen so many people get locked into bad marriages because yeah. divorce is also a sin, apparently. And um, I hear the boys. Yeah. Um, hey, guys. <laughs> no. And... and that I would much rather somebody quote unquote mess up before they get married and go like, Oh, um, cause once you get locked in, especially to a legal, you know, binding marriage, everything is messed up. If, if, if it's not good Yeah. because, Oh, what if some, what if they're abusive? What if they cheat? What if the, and because then the divorce is expensive and messy. Um, I've, I've had so many relatives have their marriages disintegrate because they were pressured into getting married young because, you know, it's better, it's better to better to be married than it is to burn. Oh my goodness. It's so crazy. People still believe that today. It's yeah. <sighs> and I was telling someone, I, I would, I was telling someone from my church that 
I would much rather someone uh, slip and, and have sex and then just not get married. Because I, I said what I was doing, I was telling her about my best friend in high school. Got a, a girl pregnant, but someone who he wasn't in love with. He had a long-term relationship and they they had a lot of sex. Um, they were just doing it all the time. And then they so broke. they were married. Yeah, basically. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. And then they broke up. And he and I were just out one night and we met a couple of girls out, hung out with them. And it took about 45 minutes for me to go like, these are the two dumbest chicks I've ever met in my life. I don't want to be around them anymore. So I made it up an excuse and took off. And he connected with one of them physically. Just, you know, there was a physical attraction. Yeah. And uh, hung out with her a few times, ended up having sex, and she got pregnant. And, and I think they went only done a couple of times. I mean, he had sex for like two years with his previous girlfriend. And then did it once or twice with this girl. She gets pregnant. And he calls me up. And, you know, back on back when the phones were connected to yeah. walls. <laughs> and I'm, I'm sitting there. He's like, hey, I, I don't want you to judge me. But and then he tells me, and he's like, before before I tell you this, I want to know that, you know, I've been there for you through all your, like, drug addiction <laughs> and, uh, like, your homeless thing that you're going through. I've never judged you on anything. I'm like, sounds like you're not judging me. And, uh, and he's like, but I got, I don't remember her name, but she's pregnant. So and I'm like, oh, my God. And he's like, I guess I ought to do the right thing. I'm like, if you marry this girl, I will personally kick your ass. This is the worst. Two wrongs do not make a right yeah. in this situation. And there's no way I could kick this guy's ass. I was five foot nine and 138 pounds. <laughs> and he was six foot five and 240 pounds. He hit me one time in our entire friendship and I flew seven feet. <laughs> but I'm like, I will kick your ass if you marry this girl, because it's the dumbest thing you could possibly do. And I talked him out of it. He didn't do it. This girl was so messed up. That once the kid was born, he was an 18-year-old, maybe 19-year-old at this point, single guy, got full custody. Wow. And then nine or ten months later, she had a baby with somebody else. So, I mean, she was still, I mean, she barely had the baby before she was having sex with somebody else and uh, had another, another kid. And then a few, a couple of years later, he married a nice girl. They had a couple of kids and that they're, they got a great family, but I was like, two wrongs do not make a right. And I was exactly. telling, telling my friend that, um, Rebecca's friend that, and she was like, Oh, I disagree with that. Cause you know, she's like, I'm very conservative, you know, sexually. And I was like, I still, and to, that was hilarious first that she, she told me that she was conservative sexually. I'm like, oh, that's nice to know. Um, <laughs> But I, I always, I always was too, but I just could not, I cannot counsel people if they get some, if they, if they get pregnant, that getting married is the right thing to do. And that's what we, what happened with me. Yeah. Karina got pregnant. We went to our Saddleback pastor mm -hmm. and we said, you know, we questioned, should we get married? He says, do not get married. Yeah. Do not wait. One of the things that we were struggling with because... I agreed. Uh -huh. I knew uh, first time I told my dad we were at a restaurant with her parents and our parents. <laughs> and my, in a public place. <laughs> yes, and my dad wanted to marry us on the spot. <laughs> that was his thing. And I'm just like, no. And, uh, you know, she was offended. But it came down to 
us deciding to wait mm-hmm. and say, hey, are we going to work out? Is this yeah. going to work out? Because it wasn't the same situation. We were together for a while. You knew yeah. That. Yeah. You guys were are adults. Yeah. We were adults. Know. We were together for a while. Um, but the biggest thing for me back then was, should I move in with her? Mm-hmm. And for me, everybody told me not to, but I don't really care because I could not be there when, she, you know, baby's born, baby's a little, you know, crying. She's all alone. I'm somewhere else. Yeah. I wouldn't be able to sleep at all. So I said, no, we're going to move in because I want to take care of you. I want to take care of the baby and we'll figure it out as we go. Right. And we did. And we, again, we got married when Josie was two and two, oh, past two years. Yeah. So we recently just got married back in September. We waited. Yeah. We took our time. We want to make sure because it's, like you said, you don't want two wrongs. Don't make one right. Right. It's got to be very careful. Yeah. And relationships are. This is the best piece of advice I've ever come up with, in my mind anyway, that relationships are not addition, they're multiplication. Nice. It's not, people think I'm going to find my other half, that half plus half equals one healthy relationship, but half times half is a quarter. It actually, if someone's broken, it diminishes the whole. Yes. Yeah. So you got to make sure you're both whole people, that you're both 100%. Because one times one equals one. One times 0.75, someone's just a little messed up, that's a half. Your relationship is now diminished by a factor of a lot. People don't see it. Yeah. People, again, they, they go by the conservative, sexual, yeah. like whatever, teachings. It's like you have sex, get married. Mm-hmm. How many times in our church, my dad married people that got pregnant? Mm-hmm. Right away to avoid sin. What, what are you avoiding? It's the, done. Yeah, that's that part's already done. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, it's, it's crazy. I, I, we, just to say, my wife and I, we got married basically because we so badly were <laughs> wanting to tear each other's clothes off all the time. And it was, I mean, we've been married 20 years. We stuck it out. Yeah. You know, but who's just, I mean, Congratulations. I, don't, I don't know what I mean. Congratulations. I mean, she's, she puts up with a lot, you know. I could tell. Yeah. No, I'm kidding. No, no, it, it's true. And so do I. Because every human being is an asshole. She hears yeah. these podcasts. She's like, you really think I'm an asshole? I'm like, yeah, obviously. <laughs> because you're a human being. I, I think my grandmother is an asshole. This yeah. sweetest, sweetest woman <laughs> in the world. But she's a human being. Yeah. yeah. You know. Okay. So, tell me about some music that always brings you back to the same place and why. I don't know if, I, I, we talked about this before, I don't know if it's the same place, but I have this weird thing. Uh, I'm Ukrainian, so I was born in Ukraine. Okay. I moved here when I was seven, but I, I grew up in this culture where the Russian music is really different. Mm-hmm. So, every time I hear a certain Russian music, or even kind of Ukraine-based music, it just, it's nostalgic to me. Yeah. It brings me to a place where... I, I, I remember where I came from. Right. It's kind of where, ooh, the people that I was, you know, I'm Ukrainian. I was raised in, a, you know, the Soviet Union at that time. Wow. So it was really, it brings me back to that. I don't know how, it's hard to explain. But every time I put on the song, I have a playlist, mm-hmm. a Russian playlist. I put it on, it just, it brings me somewhere else. It's yeah, man. weird. Well, I, I mean, music, to me, music is the most visceral art form. It's kind of like how smells, uh, like if you smell a cinnamon roll. You know, it to me, that's like a warm blanket, yeah. a cinnamon roll, you know, uh, with like the icing and everything. But the music, the, that auditory uh, beauty, it, it's 
it taps into a part of the soul, yeah. the spiritual part of your being that things that you don't even know you're remembering, you remember. Yeah, and it's not like a specific memory or anything. Right, it's just, but it's that that wholeness. Yes, a wholeness of a different, whole different culture that I'm I was never part of. So you were seven years old when you yeah. moved here. Did you guys come to California straight away? Uh, yeah, we did the whole thing back then. It was 1989. We went from Ukraine. We took a train to Austria. Lived in Austria for a time being. Took a train to Italy. Spent about four months in Italy as refugees. I think. Okay. I'm not sure if that was a correct verbiage back then but and then we flew from new york and then to california we knew some people here that took us in mm-hmm. spent some time with them and then right away went to a russian-speaking church right <laughs> that's all all started yeah <laughs> sooner or awesome. later of course my dad became a pastor because he's very charismatic yeah and his he's very i don't know how to say that word very uh he knows he has a mindset mm-hmm. and he goes for it yeah and so it's hard to change his mind Right, right. Um, yeah. <laughs> you met my dad. Well, so. yeah. I mean, I, I liked your dad. We, we believe what we believe because we believe it's right. Exactly. Because we believe it's true. Nobody believes what they believe thinking, well, it probably isn't true. Yeah. Um, and some people have a, a, they want to really stand for that truth. What was it like when you first moved here? Uh, did you speak any English at all? Or? No English at all. It was basically... We went to the church where there was Russian-speaking people. That was a lot easier for us because you go there Wednesday, Saturday, Sunday, you get to you know meet a lot of people that also were recently refugees. Mm-hmm. School was really hard left that first year. Mm-hmm. What we did back then, if you're an ESL student, they kept you like two hours after school and you they were taught teaching English and things like that. So again, at seven years old, my sister was six. We picked it up pretty quick. Okay. So about a year, we started speaking. I don't remember any hardships. Maybe that first couple of months... Everything was weird. Like pizza was the weirdest thing to me. Really? Like that was so weird. I remember first time eating pizza, I'm like, what is this? It tastes okay, but this is just a weird concept of like piece of bread with things on there. Yeah. You know? Like bananas were weird to us. We never had bananas <laughs> in, in Ukraine. So it was a lot of, you know, it's a cultural shock. Yeah. Driving in a freeway where there's like, you know, seven lanes or something like that. I remember mm-hmm. just thinking as a kid, like, where am I? Mm-hmm. Like this is a whole different world. And yeah. So, those are big culture shock, but I can imagine for my parents coming in, not speaking, not being able to speak English as well. Mm-hmm. For them, it was a lot harder to learn. Still takes my mom to this day. Yeah. So, yeah, well, mix that with the whole religious kind right. of cent- centered religion that we were a part of in that little church. It was a Slavic church where we had Ukrainian, Russians, all other these Slavic countries, and they had that one belief. Yeah. And it was something that tied everybody together. Yeah. And it tied everybody together. And I get it where my parents come from. I get my, where my dad comes from, where he's so solid in his faith. And I talk about it in my podcast. I have nothing against my dad. Right. I don't. I, I to now I understand where he, where he came from. Mm-hmm. You have to understand that even though I disagree with a lot of stuff that he believes in, or mm-hmm. we disagree, we have a lot of arguments, but at the end of the day, I respect him. I love him. He's my dad. But that, that portion was probably the hardest for our family was, Having a dad and a pastor at the same time. Right. That's really, really... I, I still haven't unraveled the whole thing yet. Yeah, that's something that uh, Michael Gunger was talking about. He's like, with my bad experiences, it didn't seem to get any of it from my dad, but I can't separate what uh, weird Sunday school experiences I had from mm-hmm. things that my dad taught versus things that I learned in youth versus things I picked up at Christian school versus things I picked up at camp. You know, it's... Where did 
the weirdness come in, <laughs> you know, like where, where, and so it was, check out that podcast. It's like three and a half hours long. So it's going to take, it took me like a week and a half to listen to it. Wow. Yeah, man. It's, but that, that Russian music takes you back to, it, I don't know. It's that just a train ride maybe to the, I don't, I don't know because you, when I was a kid, I don't remember specifically listening to music, but mm-hmm. I remember that music was around. Yeah. But knowing just the sense that now I'm in a different culture where their music and Russian music and that old it's, it's an old school version of Russian music right. is very, very different. They have that raspy voice. The guy is very old with the raspy voice and he sings very like that. Okay. Very melodic. And I don't know. I had, my mom was raised. My mom and my dad, you know, they were raising that music. So having me and my mom was always questioning, how come you like this kind of music? I'm like, I don't know, mom. I don't know what it is, but it brings me back to something that I feel like it's part of my past. Yeah. I I really, really like Rachmaninoff, the uh, composer. Oh, uh, I think I've heard of him. Yeah, he was early. It was like 19, he was 1890. So like 19, classical music. Yeah, classical music. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think he's got a very heavy hand on the piano. <sighs> Uh, is because he was like six six. Uh, I'm big for a cl- I'm big for a human in 1901, but uh, I mean for a classical music composer, you know, you know those guys are um, usually you know, um, yeah, petite, yeah, uh, frail, uh, petite. Um, most of them died of syphilis. You know, <laughs> get your flu shots, kid. Yeah, <laughs> music to, has always been part of my life. You know, there's different songs that take me to different places. Some are just you know, like Pearl Jam always takes me back to high school, uh, smoking weed. Um, <laughs> the song Jeremy reminds me of a friend of mine, you know, but uh, I, I was thinking about this this uh, the other day. There's this uh, diner in one of the towns I live, this di- this town of like 900 people uh, that, I, that I lived in for a little bit called Fairland, Oklahoma. And there was this uh, hamburger shop called Dave's. They don't have it there anymore. But it had a jukebox and... It was all country music except for the Lenny Kravitz song, Are You Gonna Go My Way? <laughs> I know that one. <laughs> and so you got three plays for a dollar. And, you know, there was always country music playing when I came in, but I always put like $5 worth of Lenny Kravitz <laughs> on in this set there and just watch people get uncomfortable. So you like, don't like country music? <laughs> um, I like good songs. I like good storytelling. Um, I reject the premise that country music is all good storytelling. Because, it's not. I agree. Yeah, I think there's a there's more of it. There, there's less re- repetition in country yeah, music yeah. because uh, you have a, a slimmer pool of diversity that you have to appeal to. Everybody kind of has the same experience, so you can go a little bit deeper in the story. You don't have to repeat yourself. There's no choruses really in country music. It's yeah. all it's all story, but. For every he stopped loving her today, which is one the one of the best songs ever. There's a B double E double R U N, you know, country song <laughs> beer run. Um, you know, so for for every Willie Nelson, who's a one of the best songwriters of all time, there's a um, uh, what the hell is his name? See, I mean, it's forgettable to me. Um, country singer from Moore, Oklahoma. It's like on the water tower there. It's, it's like home of whatever the hell his name is. And his big hit song was should have been a cowboy. And I hated it so much <laughs> um, that he's a big country star, but to me, he's just a 
just like any other pop star in any other genre. And that's what it is. Every yeah. genre has that pop star. Every genre has a pop star. And he's like every redneck with a truck loves this guy. But I don't think he's, you know, and I don't want to like disparage. Brian, right now. No, I've, <laughs> I've, 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 I've heard of him, but I don't know his oh, music. His music is so annoying. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know it. Um, I love Willie Nelson. I love Johnny Cash. Yeah. I'm a fan of Garth Brooks. I think he's a wonderful storyteller. Um, I do like Zach Brown, but I don't know if you ever heard of that. Yeah, I've, I've heard of Zach Brown. Yeah, really good. Just talented yeah. guys. Yeah, I still can't remember the name of the guy I was trying to think of. I'm sure I'll, I'll, I can look it up in like just like that and be like, oh yeah, that's that guy. And, but you know, in rock music, I mean, I love uh, Tom Petty. I think he's a great storyteller. Uh, Bob Dylan, The Beatles, The Stones. I love jazz. I mean, and then but in every genre, there's there's songs I hate. Yeah, man. Absolutely. So I, I'm not a country music fan, but there's country music I absolutely love. And I'm a rock fan, but there's rock music I absolutely hate. You know? Every every genre has yeah. that. Yeah, so. Um, but anyway, yeah. Are you going to go by my, my way? Lenny Kravitz, every time I hear that song, <laughs> I think of sitting in that diner in Fairland, Oklahoma, watching people just kind of get real uncomfortable by the fourth play. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for tuning in to part three of this conversation there will be part four coming out next monday i hope you guys are having a great 2019 so far remember kids don't be an asshole